0: I think that there are at least, uh, let's say, five uh, different important uh, classes of tears. First are the tears of loss and separation, which are important all over the lifespan. Then you have tears connected with powerlessness and frustration, which is also extremely important all over the lifespan. Other tears are connected uh, to physical pain. And that's mainly limited to, to infants and kids at, until uh, adolescence. But adults and the elderly hardly, if ever, show this, uh, these tears. But what you see that when we grow older, we increasingly cry over, um, not our, over our own suffering, but also the suffering of others. So the empathic tears become more important. And the same holds also for what I have labeled as uh, sentimental or uh, moral tears. So where we cry over the beauty of uh, music or natural scenery or over the moral beauty of uh, altruistic behavior of others and so on.
1: Hi, I'm Naomi Murphy, and this is the Locked Up Living Podcast, where we talk with a wide range of people about harsh aspects of institutional life.
2: We also explore some of the ways to overcome them and to grow and develop. I'm David Jones. So join us every Wednesday morning, six o'clock UK time for a fresh podcast.
1: Hi, so today you're going to hear from Ad Vinger, who's an Emeritus Professor of Emotions and well-being. Ad was affiliated with the Department of Medical and Clinical Psychology at Tilburg University in the Netherlands. His areas of expertise are stress and emotions and quality of life, and in particular, his research on, on leisure, sickness, homesickness and nostalgia, but especially crying, have attracted a lot of media, international media attention. In addition to over 400 publications in academic journals and books, he also wrote some popular Dutch books on among other subjects, Love, Crying, and very very recently, The Functions of Emotions in General. We're really delighted to have you on today, Ad. Welcome.
2: Thank you. Hello, Ad. Uh, I'm very pleased to be meeting with you today. Um, so to begin with, how did you first get interested in the phenomenon of crying?
0: Well, I, uh, it, it was in uh, the, the 80s of uh, the previous century. I had just finished my PhD uh, uh, thesis. It was called uh, the Psychobiology of Stress. And I was involved in a large uh, cross-cultural project on, uh, on emotions. And uh, I was attending a party and one of the other guests approached me and he said, "Uh, Hi, Ad, you should know this. I often read in popular magazines that crying is healthy. Do you really believe that it's the case? Is there any scientific evidence for that statement? And of course, I could not answer that question, but it fascinated me. And I promised, okay, I will look it up in the scientific literature and see what i found and but i didn't find anything and uh, so i was relating this story to a colleague and then we were by coincidence overheard by students who were looking for a research project and they said well then we are the first uh, to do such a study and that's how it began and somewhat later i had an own crying incident of myself that intrigued me and uh, what also was important that in in that time I uh, read uh, uh, Charles Darwin's expression of emotions in men and animals, and uh, I read that uh, Darwin was convinced that uh, emotions and expression of emotions was important for our well-being, but he also said that in his view, uh, uh, emotional tears do not serve any purpose. And that was quite a challenge for me as a researcher, <laughs> trying to prove that Darwin, at least in this respect, was wrong.
2: Well, well done for that, that's, that's a very good effort. So, so incidentally, I, I, I remember I was reading a bit about your PhD and I noted that you described it as taking a biopsychosocial uh, approach. Yeah. And I remember, I remember reading about that approach back in the 80s, but it didn't really feature very much uh, between uh, that time and perhaps the last 10 years. Um, our, our psychology field, particularly in forensic psychology, tended to go much more with the uh, bio and perhaps a bit of the psycho and not very much of the uh, social. So it's interesting that you were Using that approach here back then.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's a red threat uh, among in my career, I think. Eh? So, yeah,
2: thank you. So, big question this, and you just mentioned, uh, yeah, Darwin. What do we know about the evolutionary function of tears? And for example, do other species uh, shed tears? Well, if
0: there are species who shed emotional tears. Then it's very unusual and very exceptional. Um, so we could say that um, uh, mammals and bird species, some bird species, that they also cry, but they do it without tears. So it's uh, we call it uh, separation calls or distress vocalizations and uh, there are two main differences between the crying of these uh, species and humans that's first it's in most species it's limited to uh, to the infancy yeah, so so uh, an animal model of crying is that you separate the the offspring from the mothers and then they start making this uh, distress vocalization and um, yeah as i said uh, it's only vocal, acoustical, whereas we shed tears, which is quite unique. Yeah. And the idea that we as humans, we, uh, uh, we we shed tears and we start with it rather early, although not from, from birth, it takes a few weeks before we uh, uh, add tears to our crying. But then we do it until we die during the whole lifespan and we speculate that that might have to do with the fact that we have a long prolonged childhood compared to other species and in that childhood time then our brains keep developing uh we are motorically fully developed but at the same time, we still need the protection and care and love and advice from adults. And um, um, I, I think that um, that a, a pure uh, visual uh, signal for to express the need for protection and help uh, that, that has the advantage that... Um, well, let's say um, vocal crying, it's of course very effective if, if, an, if an infant has lost a contact with the mother and if it starts crying, it's, it's, uh, it can easily be traced back by the mother, even in dense vegetation and in the dark. So that's very positive, but it can also lure uh, predators and so. So there's also a danger. So you could say at the moment that the infant is uh, motorically developed in a sufficiently that he can approach the mother, then uh, there is less need of uh, uh, vocal crying. And the, the great advance, uh, uh, advantage of, uh, of a visual link is that you can target it to a very specific individual.
2: Thank you this is all fascinating stuff and I'm going to be bombarding you with the most elementary questions that I expect some of your students have brought to you. Uh, I was was thinking, well I was thinking a couple of things. One, I bet there are lots of people who would argue that their dogs cry but perhaps that's more to do with what we put into our dogs as it were And, and the other thing I was thinking was that children i was in a train the other day with a child who was crying and it seems to me that sometimes children use their crying not so much as a an expression of distress but as a, a kind of demand to to achieve something
0: yes that's right so it's um it's a behavior that is uh, used to manipulate others to uh, it whereas normally crying we could say it's a reaction to a situation but you can also cry not because of what has happened but of course what the future will bring <laughs> mm-hmm. so um so so if you are uh, rewarded for your crying in some way with attention or what what, uh, what do you want then uh, it's likely especially for children in a certain age that you uh, learn them to cry. Hmm. And um, regarding uh, the dogs that you mentioned, it's interesting because that's at least an exception to the rule that uh, crying is limited to infancy. Also adult uh, dogs, when uh, when you leave them alone, then they cry, but that's mainly vocally. Hmm. It's, by the way, also interesting, they have found that uh, that dogs are very sensitive to the crying of their uh, bosses, of their owners. It has a a major impact on their behavior, and it suggests that they display some kind of comforting behavior uh, when they Hmm. see their owners cry.
2: Yes, indeed. But anyway, to get back to human beings, um, generally speaking, how do we perceive people who, who cry? And and is there a kind of gender difference which is universal?
0: Um, well, we see someone who cry, especially as someone who is in need of, uh, of succor or comfort. And so... That, that that's the main the the, the power of tears that um, they they stimulate empathy in others, which is uh, uh, which in its turn stimulate others to to provide help or, or, uh, or succor. And regarding the the difference in um, in, in in gender. Well, there is a strong difference in, in uh, crying frequency between uh, men and women. Uh, so, adult women cry more often than adult men. But, um, but how we respond to crying uh, uh, individuals, whether it are uh, men or women, that does not make a strong difference. Although there is some research which suggests that male tend to be less willing to provide uh, crying, man, uh, support. <laughs> but for the other three uh, uh, diets, uh, so woman, 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 man, man, woman, then you sh- they are... Uh, yes well you can say that it's more or less the same in all these uh, diets
1: i think um when working in a in a prison it often seemed as though death was the the one area where it was really permissible to cry if you're a man if you experienced bereavement that was that somehow was the situation that it was possible for anyone to to cry in but I guess we've also seen that at times with footballers crying on the pitch you know Paul yep. Gascoigne crying you know and it seems like getting behind the sport a very popular sport people could understand the the pain of of loss
0: um, yeah yeah but also in the case of uh, when they won and uh, then you also but very often there is some a sad event behind it. So they had uh, to cope with a serious injury and to overcome that. and Or there is a death uh, in their family or something like that. And then you see uh, that, that these uh, athletes, uh, that they, they cry also when they have won. Uh, and, um, and it's also interesting, I think that throughout ages, if you uh, look at uh, heroes, that they are described not as uh, brave uh, warriors, but they also cry when they lost a fellow warrior or so, or when they miss their home, and their wife and the family. Uh, so um, it it is certainly not not a single uh, uh, female uh, thing. Uh, But what's important is that the the crying is seen as appropriate. And I think that uh, people generally take themselves as a standard. If I were that person, would I cry? If the answer is yes, then they react with very positive uh, 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 reactions. But if the answer is no, then we can react with rather negative uh, reactions.
2: So, I, th- I think you've been suggesting that there's a kind of range of situations that can evoke uh, tears. Yes. And, and so, can you give, you must have classified this, I guess. Um, can you tell us what kind of situations evoke tears?
0: Yeah, I think that there are at least, uh, 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 let's say, five different uh, important uh, classes of tears. First are the tears of loss and separation which are uh, important all over the lifespan. Um, Then you have tears uh, connected with powerlessness and frustration, which is also extremely important all over the lifespan. Um, Other tears are connected uh, to uh, um, physical pain, and that's mainly limited to to infants and, and kids at until uh, adolescence, but adults and the elderly hardly if ever show this, uh, these tears. But what you see that when we grow older, we increasingly cry over um, not our over our own suffering, but also the suffering of others. So the empathic tears become more important. And the same holds also for what I have labeled as uh, sentimental or uh, moral tears. So where we cry over the beauty of uh, music or natural scenery or over the moral beauty of uh, altruistic behavior of others and so on.
2: Yes, I see what you mean. I, I, that happens to me. I listen to a lot of music, and uh, often find myself sinking into what I regard as a sort of sentimental morass of emotion.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. I think that's a well-known phenomenon for people who are when they are older, especially uh, men. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and some people seem to cry more easily than others, don't they? Do, do we know anything about? The distinction between people who who easily cry and people who don't
0: yeah we think that that has to do with uh, uh with heredity so the genetic factors play a role there are some limited uh, uh, um, uh, twin studies which suggest that uh, so our crying proneness so our crying threshold so to say that that's to a great extent uh, uh, genetically determined. And um, well, so, so there is a link with, with uh, um, personality. So both you see connections with uh, neuroticism, but also with empathy. So people who are very empathic, they also tend to cry more often. Um, and um, Yeah, well, and of course, uh, factors like uh, gender play a role, as -hmm. as I already said, and and age, uh, when we grow older, Mm -hmm. and especially that old for for men, as I said, as men grow older, they tend to cry more often. And well, the the picture for women is not very clear, but it seems that it can go in different directions that there is a group of women who stay at the same level there's a a second group who who uh, show a decrease in crying and and a third group who shows an increase in crying
1: If if you looked into the impact of parenting because it seems as though um you know when children cry and their parents don't respond or perhaps worse still their parents punish them crying that people seem to find ways to disconnect from that from that ability to cry you know you know working in a prison with people who are seen as being psychopaths they often reported not being able to cry but actually what was really interesting was during the course of treatment they seemed to relearn how to how to cry so they began having much more overt displays of of sadness um and becoming tearful in group situations which would evoke a very strong response from their peers but that was something they weren't capable of doing at the start of treatment
0: yeah yeah i can imagine that yeah that that's uh uh, reactions of parents uh, are extremely important And in addition to that, you also see that uh, people may lose the capacity to cry uh, when they are severely depressed or when they experience uh, a traumatic experience. Uh, An interesting example, I think, in the literature is a victim of serial killer uh, Jeffrey Dahmer. He uh, lost. He he, he uh, survived that experience, uh, and he lost the capacity to cry, and so it needed uh, uh, therapy to uh, again also to learn him to cry again. Yeah.
1: That's really fascinating. And I, as you were talking, it made me think about uh, medication and how people who are on things like antidepressant or anxiolytic medication yeah. sometimes talk about feeling a bit numb or depersonalized don't they do we know anything about the effects of psychotropic medication on, on the ability to cry
0: yeah we we know that uh, um even a low very low doses of uh, um, of antidepressive can have an impact on on crying behavior uh, so even it's uh not not high enough to to uh, have any impact on the depression, it still has an impact on the crying behavior. Uh, yeah, we true. we have done a study with, with that. Uh, we uh, we tested the placebo and a very low dose of high and uh, and it it had a major impact on the crying behavior. And uh, well, it it can also be helpful for people who. Who suffer from what we call pathological crying? So people with uh, brain dis- disorders who uh, uh, have problems with a uh, uh, control of their crying.
1: Could you tell us a bit more about that,
0: Ad? Well, it it has been described, especially with people with uh, um, with. With a with brain lesion, or but also dementia and uh, um, uh, multiple sclerosis, that uh, a significant majority, a uh, minority of them, uh, show this. Uh, uh, yeah, what what we call pathological crying. So apparently, without any reasons, they suddenly start crying, and and a, a part of them also can show. Uh, uh, laughter also pathological laughter with, without any apparent uh, uh, well situation that, that 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 we consider as a valid reason to uh, to show this uh, emotional expressions
1: well that's really fascinating really fascinating yeah. i think um the uh, you know i have heard people talk about who who were taking antidepressants talk about not liking the fact that they were not able to crying feeling like there was something uh, hampering their recovery by um not being able to to quite fulfill the the emotional um need I guess to to cry we we've both spent many years working with men in prisons david and i so i I, I particularly was interested to to see that you've researched the whether crying has a bearing on morality. I wondered whether you could tell us a little bit about that.
0: Yes, well, um, in addition to uh, how people perceive crying, uh, uh, others, um, which, which is focused on the this, this specific act of crying, then we see it as a sign of uh, helplessness and, and that they are in need. But you can also think about, okay, what kind of persons are, is the crying individual? And uh, whereas in the, in the popular literature, it's often depicted as someone whose cry is weak or uh, emotionally not stable. But what we found was that uh, these crying people are generally also seen as warm, empathic, and uh, and especially also reliable and honest, and uh, that fascinated me. And so um, we decided also to uh, to design a study to to test whether that's also true. So we can consider them as, as as warm and and reliable. But are they really reliable and and warm? And uh, So we uh, set up a study and we collected data about the crying proneness of these uh, individuals. And first we start also with self reports, what kind of person are you? And indeed we found that um, those people who Tend to cry more often. Uh, they also uh, reported that uh, they were more willing to display all kinds of altruistic behaviors and that they also disapproved of antisocial and uh, asocial behaviors. Uh, so that was a first indication, but well, critics can, of course, uh, say, from okay, it's all self report. So we don't know whether that's really uh, true. So we uh, tried to uh, design an, an ultimate uh, experiment in which we uh, again ask the people to self-report their crying proneness. And then we had a second part of the study It said, okay, it's up to you whether or not you want to uh, uh, to take part in that second part it's an extremely boring. Uh, uh, Experiment, uh, you will uh, see you are you will be exposed to uh, 25 computer pages of letters over 22,000 letters, and among them there are uh, 200 uh, letters N hidden, and it's up to you to identify these letters N. And for each letter that you identify, you will receive a reward of five euro cents. So you can earn two hundred. Five is ten euro. Uh, so, but you can decide to stop to discontinue your participation at any moment. And uh, uh, what's also important, ninety percent of what you earn you should donate to a charity of your choice. So it's not for yourself. It's just 10% of your earnings are for yourself. And um, so what we found was that um, uh, people who tend to cry more often were more willing to start with that study. And they are also more willing to spend uh, uh, extreme efforts to uh, earn as much money for, uh, for a charity. So... It seems that there is at least some, some truth in the in the classic saying that only good men cry.
1: <laughs> well, absolutely fascinating. Although I have to confess, I am a big crier, so I've got a vested interest in, in hearing <laughs> the <that> outcome.
2: <laughs> that sounds like a very interesting experiment. It sounds like a lot of our uh, uh, in-house internet training that people have to do, but the only reward is for ways that they're able to earn at the end of it but anyway does crying have any bearing on our well-being do you think um
0: yes and no uh, no in the sense at least i think that uh, the ID, the classic idea that crying uh, uh, facilitates catharsis and that that's why people feel better I don't think that that's, that that whole is valid. It, it's obsolete in my view. Uh, but what we see is that crying can be very important for our well-being because it's a very uh, effective way to elicit social support from others. And we know from the stress literature that social support is extremely important for us in times of stress and it can buffer negative uh, 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 health effects when we are in stressful uh, uh, conditions. So in that sense, I think it's it's very important.
1: Do you think there might be a different impact on well-being according to whether somebody is naturally a crier and it, but it feels inhibited from crying because i'm thinking for instance when people are in work situations if and maybe they are naturally a, a crier but maybe they feel it's not socially acceptable to cry so then is there a is there a tension that's caused by having to inhibit something that would come naturally to them whereas the person who's not a crier might not might not have that experience hmm.
0: yeah that that i cannot exclude but what we found, so we had a, a large study with uh, uh, among uh, over five thousand respondents, and we asked them uh, to describe the last time they cried, what happened, who was with them, and also what time was it, and so on. And we also asked them, uh, how did you feel after you crying, uh, compared to before? And uh, exactly fifty percent of the people reported the mood improvement and 40% answered that there was no difference and 10% reported that they felt uh, worse after the crying episode. And um, then we uh, uh, did, did a, a follow-up of that study and there we uh, wanted to um, to predict in what situations people reported in. Mood improvement uh, versus uh, no change or uh, worse mood, and we found out that uh, uh, three factors were uh, extremely important. Um, first was the the psychological condition of the of of the individual. Uh, a, a bit surprised we were by the fact that. Uh, people who actually need mood benefits, people who are depressed or who have a burnout, they hardly, if ever, report that they feel better after having cried. You, you, you must be in good mental condi- condition to, uh, to experience this uh, mood benefits. Uh, second was the specific crying event. Uh, so we globally compared, uh, um, what we say, uh, controllable situations like a conflict situations versus uncontrollable situations like the passing away of a significant other. And we found that uh, in case of co- controllable situations, people significantly reported more mood benefits compared to uncontrollable situations. And the third factor was how others react to your crying. If they react with understanding and they put an arm around you, then okay, then you uh, report that you feel better after having cried. But when they become angry or uh, they start laughing at you and you feel ashamed, then no, people don't experience any more benefits. So... This suggests more or less that um, um, maybe it's not the act of crying, but especially also there, there's an important role for how bystanders react to the tears. And, yeah. um, and we also had a study in which we compared uh, people who uh, had not cried for over 15 years to normal criers and yes. we didn't, we did not find any difference in, uh, in, in well-being, but we there also we found that the, the uh, normal criers, that they were more empathic, they were felt more connected with others and they received more social support from others. So again, an indication that the function of crying should be served for more in the interpersonal domain.
1: It was interested. It would be interesting to know what, if any, impact the attitude of the person crying towards crying um, is. You know, if you're if you are somebody who doesn't, there are some people who don't like to be seen to be cry to cry. Yeah. To. And yeah, I
0: guess definitely. for those
1: people, crying might then come with the cost of loss of status or yeah, how yeah, they perceive they yeah. they're, they're seen. Whereas if, if you don't if you're happy to be seen crying or, or it doesn't bother you then maybe there'd be greater well-being benefits I guess
0: yeah that that's certainly that makes perfect sense yeah of course
1: and the, the other thing I wondered about was I suppose why the impression I have if when people are depressed that that's actually more of a problem with anger than sadness and whether so it might not be surprising if crying doesn't bring benefits to depressed people but it might bring it might bring benefits to people who are aggressive so you know I think I don't know if you've ever seen a film called The Work uh, which is set in a prison it's a documentary in a prison in America and what you see is this struggle where the men are digging into really painful experiences and they're 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 set on they're kind of on this tussle of whether to end up being aggressive or being able to cry Ah, and the crying seems to you know when they give into the tears you see there's some kind of sense of some progression forwards but they resist it and they fight against it and that's I suppose quite similar to the experiences that I've I've, I've had with men in prison where often aggression has been a defense against sadness and vulnerability and shame and actually Moving on to be able to cry has seemed to be a more, um, a healthier way of dealing with all that deep pain rather than ending up being violent.
2: Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah certainly. So, uh, what you're saying about the ambivalence with which uh, crying is sometimes received reminds me a lot of when I used to work in units which were dealing with. Uh, self-harm uh, in particular when often the expression of distress would evoke alienation rather than sympathy from uh, from friends uh-huh. and relatives and it sounds like a slightly similar phenomenon really yeah yeah
0: yeah this is all new to me but very, very extremely interesting
2: yeah hmm. so Moving on uh, so the question I've been waiting for. How does aging affect our capacity to cry?
0: Yes, uh, certainly, especially in men, as I already said, that when men grow older, they uh, uh, can shed their tears more easily, uh, which probably has to do, at least as a speculation, with the uh, decreasing levels of testosterone. And... Um, well, for me personally, I I can agree with that statement. Um, well, yeah. I, I, so I'm now nearly seventy, and it's it's far more easy to become tearful than than I was in um, in my twenties or so.
2: Yeah. Mm, thank you.
0: And well, for women, yeah, it's it's not clear how crying develops when they uh, become older. We have some data but they are not uh, perfect data, but they suggest that that there are three groups uh, that's some women that they stay at the same level uh, and that uh, another group uh, shows a decrease in crying and a third group shows an increase in crying.
1: So fascinating, God! Really, really interesting stuff that you're talking about. And you've you've spoken already about how the evol- evolutionary purpose seems to be to elicit comfort and to succor from others. But does it always have that effect? Are there some people who find it easier to cope with the the tears of others than than other people? Are some people irritated by by tears?
0: Yeah, sure. Yeah. It, uh... Um, empathy and em- empathic uh, capacity of an observer is of course, uh, very important. And what you also see is how the other the relationship with the other, if you are positive or or negative about that uh, person has so uh, I think a nice illustration are the, the tears of Hillary Clinton, when uh, when she was in the uh, race for the uh, uh, for, for, for the Democratic candidacy uh, so um, in the pre-elections with uh, Barack Obama, then at a certain point she also cried. And then there were globally three uh, reactions. So one was uh, well, this is just manipulation. You cannot, uh, you cannot uh, rely. Uh, she's not reliable. That that's one uh, reaction. Second reaction is um, incompetence. This crying is a sign of incompetence. Uh, so she's not uh, fit for the job. And the third reaction is, well, can we now maybe have a real human as a president? As a and. Well, yeah, these reactions, of course, can be explained by whether before you're already pro or contra Hillary Clinton. So, uh, yeah, but those who are still, um, well, still in doubt, whether or not they want to support and maybe it has an effect. But for most of the people who already had their... Uh, had their uh, uh, judgments about uh, Hillary Clinton as a person. I think this this only, in their view, confirms what they already knew. Right?
1: So. Yeah, it's very very interesting. Fascinating uh, research that you spent your life doing. Ad, um, really really fascinating. So we're coming to the end of the the conversation, and you've you've said a little bit about your own um, your own um, ability to cry or tolerance of crying. But I wonder how you cope with pain and keep yourself emotionally nourished when when you encounter difficult situations.
0: Yeah, well, as I said, I'm uh, I, I'm a crier, but at the same time, what's maybe a bit. Uh, Uh, strange is that um, I cry more easily when I watch uh, positive acts, so acts of altruism. So for example now the situation in Turkey and in Ukraine I am more eager to uh, shed tears when I watch all kinds of actions that are uh, organized to help these people. than when I see the suffering uh, of people, that I find somewhat fascinating, but it seems so that in some way I have developed a a specific sensitivity or so to altruistic behaviors and... uh, (laughs) And yeah, well, how do I respond? It depends a bit on the situation, of course. But yeah, well, um, well, I, I, when I suffer from pain, I, I tend to talk about it with others. I, I will not uh, uh, limit it to my my own and 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 don't want to talk about it. I, there are some people in my environment with whom I sh- want to share these kind of experiences. I think that that's extremely uh, important for me. Uh.
1: It's a great response from a, a psychologist. And I guess, of course, if you're reaching out to have conversations, you don't need to be crying to demonstrate that you need the comfort because it's, it's managed in a more upfront way.
0: Wow. yeah yeah maybe that's true yeah
1: really enjoyed having this conversation with you today Ed. thank you very much for coming on the podcast
0: well it, it was a pleasant uh, pleasant for me also thank you for the invitation
2: thanks very much and it has been a real pleasure having this uh, conversation and really good to meet you thanks a lot
0: okay thank you